Well, if, you, <clears throat> if you're new or this is your first Sunday, you probably are thinking, is this the way they do their sermons? Uh, no, we usually have a very traditional sermon, but uh, three or four times a year, we do something called Fire Away. And uh, we think it's kind of a fun service. And what we do is we have um, either a couple of pastors up here. In this case, it's, it's a couple ministry today with my wife and I. And we usually uh, just take questions, fire away. People just fire away. They text their questions in. And then we, we've not screened them ahead of time. And we just tell you what our answers would be straight from the gut. It's uh, kind of a fun service for, I think, both for congregation and pastors. Uh, but Judy and I, uh, we're at this stage of our ministry where we feel we need to be available to speak into different topics. And, and uh, being a pastor for almost 40 years, I've come to realize that the two main issues most people deal with are marriage relationships, marriage and relationships, and parenting. And so we did one in January, I think, right? A fire away on marriage and relationships, and today is the one on parenting. So we're going to take your questions on that. And we're not experts. We don't have perfect, we don't have perfect marriage. We don't have perfect kids, but we have learned some things along the road. We've tried to bring our children up according to God's word, and so we'll, we'll try and answer your questions as best as possible. Okay, you ready, Jude? Yes. Okay, it's always dangerous to give my wife the microphone, but we'll see what happens here. Advice for parents whose kids turned 18 and decided to leave the home and turn away from God. Maybe some books for parents to read to help through this time and hurt. You are an excellent reader, and I'm sure you've read about parenting older children. And what would you, Do you have any books that come to mind, Judy? I do. Um, Praying for Your Prodigal, that's the title of it. I forget the name of the author, but I will know next service. Um, and my advice is, you know, I would read uh, The Prodigal Son and consider the father in that story as well, how that father was always um, open-hearted towards his son. Sometimes when your children are walking away from you and their faith, it's very easy to take it personally and feel like a failure and feel like um, if only and what if and have all these questions and guilt running through your head. And I would look at, the again, the story of the prodigal son and how the father did not take on that guilt and did not take on those questions, did not take on that anger or frustration, but he was very open-hearted. He tried to keep the lines of communication open. He was ready for when his son returned. So um, that is one thing I would say. Yeah, I, I would say the, what I would say about that is, number one, you always remember God is writing a story in your children's life. And sometimes as parents, we'd love to write that story, but we can't. So we got to allow God to write the story in your children's life, number one. Number two, remember that every child, even our children, at some point have to own their own faith. And we bring them up in church, we make sure they're in Discovery Land, we make sure they're in student ministries, and we, we kind of control things for a while, and then, and then they're out there. And you know what? It's very natural for them to say, 
I, I, I don't know if I really buy into all the stuff that I was told I had to believe, and maybe I need to own it for myself. We've watched our children do that, and that's, that's, that's not a bad thing. They need to own it, and so they may be asking questions. And, you know, we, we talk all the time about how we trust God for our children. We trust God for our children. Well, in these moments when they start to push back a little bit, they're, I think they're watching us, and they're saying, do you really trust God for your kids? If you do, then why are you so upset? I'm starting to question a couple of things. So I think it's a time, it's, it's difficult for any parent. Uh, but I think that we need to remember that God's right in the story, and we need to allow them space to figure this out for themselves and own their faith. Uh, and then if we have brought them up in the Lord, I think we've got a pretty good foundation laid. And uh, in my view, if you lay that a strong foundation, and of course you've lived it out as parents, they've seen you model it. Boy, pretty high percentage that they're gonna, they're gonna embrace that at some point. So there's good news there. God is in the business of building godly generations. He's, he, he wants you to succeed and your children to succeed in this area. And ultimately, he's the one that's gotta draw them to himself. Okay, <clears throat> how do we best pray for our longtime estranged daughter? So here's a child <clears throat> who's been um, estranged from the parents, it looks like. Um, how do you pray for that? Um, I would pray for perspective, because again, like Dennis said, the story isn't over. Pray for wisdom to know how best to... Um, minister to your daughter or what to say or what not to say. I would also pray for um, for your daughter to, for um, whatever scripture your daughter has been brought up with, that that would come back and, and encourage her, or convict her, um, and for truth and love in her life. I would pray for myself first. It's always about, you know, I crack up. I get these parents come in, fix my kid. And I'm thinking, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> God's doing something in your life through this too, is he not? So how about praying for yourself that you learn all the lessons you're supposed to learn about faith, trust, loving. Um, you know, hurt people hurt people. And when somebody's usually fighting back or estranged, there's something going on there. And instead of taking it personal, and I know this is easier said than done, but instead of taking it personal, how about ha having a wider view that God is, something's going on inside my kid, and I, I want for them to experience me at my best right now as a loving parent. And sometimes that's just being quiet and not trying to answer everything or be defensive, but to just love them unconditionally, show them what that really is like. And um, trust, again, Trust in God. What do I pray specifically for? That God would draw them to himself. That God would give them a love for his word. That he, they would bump into believers that really model Jesus a lot. So you can pray for a lot of good things to happen to your child. And God has a way of answering those prayers. Prayers are powerful. So, um, yeah, it's not a time to think, boy, I'm kind of helpless here. No, you can pray and you can model for your children what love really is like. When your children are the most unlovable, that's when they need to, 
you're loved the most. True with us and Jesus, is it not? When we're most unlovable, that's when God loves us the most. Okay. What should I do when I see fellow Christians cheating on a test at school? I would always start with prayer. Before you try and go in and fix it or challenge or accuse, I would always start with prayer and ask God to show you um, what's happening, how to even talk about this with them, when to talk about it, um, if you should talk about it with them or who you should talk about it with. So I would always start with prayer first. And then from that... um, Again, I don't know the whole context or the circumstances of this, but uh, maybe just go, go up to them, challenge them a little bit. Go ahead. What were you, what yeah, would you I say? I don't think there's a, there's a firm answer to this, and I'll tell you why. In different scenarios, it, you may sense the Spirit prompting you because it's what's good, best for them or what's best for the class, whatever. You may sense a prompting to go to the teacher or to... To, to tell them. I probably, before I would do that, though, if I sense I needed to do that, I would go to the person first, and I, I, I challenge them to turn themselves in. And, uh, but, you know, you have to be very careful about that. There's, there's a lot of sin that we see from our view here as leaders in the church, and we don't see it as our role to go about and correcting all of that. And, you know. So, it, it's... It's something I think God has to talk to you about specifically, what he's calling you to do, and I, he's a speaking God, he'll do that. If you do sense he's one, the best thing to do, the right thing to do would be to, to you know, <clears throat> expose that, then um, I would go to the person first. I would also maybe talk to a mentor in your life mm. or the youth group leader and talk yes. about the whole situation yes. and get some good advice from them. Yeah. The Bible says plans fail for lack of many counselors. So I would go to several people, and, and, and they're not going to make the decision for you, but they'll give you advice. And when you see a common thread coming through each one, a pretty good indication that what's, that's how God's leading you. The Bible says, do not be afraid. Then why is the church living in fear at this present time and parents are putting fear in their children? Interesting question. You want me to answer it first or you want to to take a go? You can start. (laughs) As you think through and probably come out with a better answer. Uh, The Bible says, do not be afraid. Then why is the church living in fear? I don't think all the church is living in fear. Um, I think that's a generalization there. But there are some churches, yes, that are panicking over everything, right? What's going on in the political world? And yeah, I get that. You know, the whole world is going down the tubes. Our country's going down the tubes. And, and there are some concerning things out there. But Christians, I think what this person's asking is, <clears throat> aren't we supposed to be living with a bigger, a larger view? And our faith is not in government. It's not in who's president, it's not in this, it's not, it's in Christ. And he's already written the last chapter of human history. So we can walk with a kind of a quiet, faith-filled confidence. So yes, when I see the church living in fear, something's wrong. Though there are very concerning things going on in our world right now, no question about it. 
especially for Christians living in this country. It could be a lot more difficult moving down the road. And parents are putting their fear in their children. Now, you have to watch that. I think that's what I'm assuming that's what's happening here behind this question is they're looking at their parents. They're going, like, all I hear from you is how it, the world is going down the tubes. And by the way, if you're in your, if you're a, a young child or you are in, a young adult, you realize, how, you realize how much of a bummer that is to hear from older people that the world is, is terrible and it's, it's not going to get any better and, and it's all going to go down the tubes. I mean, if you put yourself in their shoes if you were 20 years old and your whole life was ahead of you. I think we need to be really careful about how we communicate with younger people around us that we don't doomsday everything for them because it's not true. God is at work. God is at work. And even, even as we move towards what could be the end times, the church should be faith-filled and joy-filled. We've been given a picture, and if you're not sure what that picture is, come out the middle of June to my revelation class, and we'll talk, talk six weeks about how believers don't have anything to worry about. God's got it all figured out, and we're saved from the wrath to come. So we should walk with victory and with peace and with joy no matter what. And I think about 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago, our society supported us as Christians more so than they are today. Yes. So parents do not have the support from culture and society that we've had in the past. So I think for parents, that's intimidating to us to try and parent against the culture and against society. And we kind of want to withdraw and protect our kids. And our kids may pick up on this as we're being fearful and hiding. So I think the challenge for us as parents is to really dive into our faith and, and work on being faith-filled. You know, our world is not God-forsaken because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God is at work here. And again, as parents, I think it's a bigger opportunity for us to be more faith-filled with our children. Yes. Yeah. There doesn't seem to be another question here. So how about we... Oh, here we go. Public schools are becoming more liberal with many topics. As a Christian parent, how do you ensure your kids know that school is important, but remind them that their faith stays at the center, even if their teachers challenge it? This is, a, this is really hard today. Like Judy just said, you know, it was more Christian principles and ideas were more accepted in the, in the world and in our country. That is swiftly changing. And uh, things that are flat out wrong or even evil in the scriptures are celebrated. It's very difficult. I, I really relate to the person asking this question. I do want to say, though, you need to remember there are still believers that are investing in public schools. I'm, I'm not at a place where I feel like we should abandon them. Still, we still need to be light and salt to a lost world, even there. But it is difficult as a parent, and uh, I'm going to be totally transparent here and say that I've never, I, I've really not thought about this before. For our children, they were all in the public schools. They had to learn how to be light and salt in a difficult place. But I do want to say that it may get to a point, it may get to a point where it's really uh, difficult for a, a Christian parent to have his child indoctrinated with so much 
and uh, being confused by so much. It may come a point where we got to pull out. But right now, I'm not ready to do that. But it's, I'm, I'm watching what's going on in our public schools. And, uh, and if, that's the, if that's what happens, then we need to be able to help out and give some alternative to that. You know, I would suggest year by year taking it very prayerfully and you got to understand your child and what your child can, uh, how your child's responding. Uh, I feel like you would need to have your kids uh, supported with a community of faith to make sure you balance out non-Christian friends with Christian friends and Christian environment. I know for us, our kids were in public school, um, but on weekends and even after school, we were very, very careful about how they spent their time. And over the summer, we would encourage more Christian environments. I would also say that our Discovery Land staff and material, as well as our greenhouse, do an excellent job in helping our children respond in a Christ-like way and stand on truth. All the more reason for you to make sure your kids are here and they get that, they, they get that foundation, not just in Discovery Land, but in Greenhouse as well. And that'll help them big time to navigate it, to navigate through these very difficult questions. This is something that you can be praying for my son, Brian, because when he takes over, uh, I think this is gonna be one of his main uh, uh, issues that he's gonna have to manage and steward. And so uh, it's, it's happening quickly, but our world is more and more becoming not just God neglecting, but God hating. And it's, um, you know, the believers are gonna have to live in that kind of tension. Um, and I know yeah. for our kids, what really helped them survive public school was their friendships and involvement in Discovery Land and youth group. Yes. They had some really strong yeah. friendships there that I feel were a great anchor for them as yes. well. Yeah, because they need beyond you, they need other people speaking into their lives. And we were so thankful for Greenhouse, you know, small group leaders, and um, especially in the junior high, high school area, it's huge. But even in the Discovery Land, they need help and encouragement. So what are the biggest hurdles you see for our children's generation and how can we be proactive in building them up to handle them? I'm gonna throw one out there that we are, as a church, we're gonna have to spend more time talking about, and that's gender, the theology of gender. Uh, it, it's so confusing for young boys and girls to grow up now and say, what does it mean that I'm a girl, I'm female? What was God's design in that? What does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be male? And what is God's design in that? I think we need to be rock crystal clear because I believe the scriptures are clear in how to do this. What, what, is, what does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be a woman? And unfortunately, the church is out there now joining the chorus saying, well, we can't figure it out. Lots of different opinions on it. Well, not this church. That's not going to happen. We are going to teach a clear theology of gender, God's wonderful design for male and female. It's more than just a biological difference. He has, he has purposes and roles in which we glorify and reflect Christ and his church. And so that's got to be talked about. And then it's got to be it's got to be taught to both boys and girls so they understand what is you know I I I had someone recently come to me who's not even a spiritual person 
but he says, I got three strapping boys from like two to eight. How do I train them up to be a man? So right now, as we speak, I've been reading a lot of books, again, How to Raise a Modern Day Knight, all kinds of books that talk about how you, tra- how you instruct young boys on what God intended a man to be and to do. And Judy does a wonderful job in women's ministry with the ladies and girls as well. So this is something I think is going to be huge in a, in a generation that's continuing to be confused about gender. In fact, I was asked a question not too long ago by our 20-something, and I frankly, I didn't know how to answer it. That's how clueless I am. They said, what's the difference between sex and gender? And I'm thinking, I thought they were the same thing. Well, obviously not. And uh, I had to have my adult children remind me that, uh, you know, sex is what uh, you're born with, and, and then, but gender is what you choose, you want to desire to be. It's so confusing. It's so hard for especially young people to try and translate this. The church needs to be teaching and preparing not just our children but our adults on how clear God's word is on this and how wonderful his design is and needs to be lived out. Amen? Amen. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. We're going to do much better at that than we have in the past because that's an issue. Go ahead. What else? What are the other hurdles? Uh, I think just uh, helping our children understand what truth is. There is so much, um, you know, truth is relative. Truth is what you want it to be. And we have to teach our children what truth is, what lies are, and what their identity is in, as, a created, as created in the image of God. What are the, what are the uh, this is a good question, what other... Go back to that question. Go back. What are the, the other challenges for this generation, for uh, our kids? Sharing their faith even, because again, 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago, our American culture mm-hmm. and society was pro-Christian values. Yeah. That's not the case anymore. Uh, it's not God. It's whatever the universe decides. So yeah. you're going to really have to build into your child what it means to be a believer and you know in some ways it's like uh, Solomon said there's nothing new under the sun this generation of children will have to still take God's word and apply it to the modern issues and make sure too they will be challenged as we were don't get off track don't get your eye off the ball don't get involved in side issues make sure you stick to the gospel they are going to have to somehow take God's word and God's priorities and keep them front and center and not be, uh, not be distracted with all the noise. Okay, let's go to the next one. What should, when should you start talking to your kids about sex and is there a resource for them to read on the way to date? I was really hoping there wouldn't be a sex question. <laughs> I'm not good at those. Um, and you know what? We do have some good resources, but I don't have them at my fingertips, but I would suggest reaching out to Discoveryland and Greenhouse, maybe emailing them and asking them for some good resources there. Um, Greenhouse gets this question, I think, every day. Right, but but you should even be uh, preparing and and talking to DL and asking for resources from them as well. Yeah. Um, Any books come to mind that you've read? I haven't read any lately. (laughs) Yeah, we're kind of in the grandparents (laughs) style now. But you know what? 
we st you still have to, one of the things, Bob Lentz, I had lunch with him not too long ago, and he said this, this really stuck with me. He said, with the issues facing kids today, you can't just give them answers and tell them what the right answer is and what, you, what they should think and what they should do. You have to teach them how to think. You have to teach them how to translate this so that they understand and it makes sense to them. So uh, when you talk about sex or whatever with your kids, uh, make sure you're having a dialogue with them and asking them, how are you thinking about this? How would you respond? Based on what you believe, what do you think would be the way, right way to respond to this? Teach them how to think. Teach them how to communicate and translate this. That involves more of a dialogue than you just telling them what they ought to do. And you're going to be sharing um, sexual things all along because if you... if they're exposed to social media, television, whatever. Yeah. It's in your face all yeah. the time. Yeah. And it's, you can't avoid it. So you may be talking about it a lot sooner than you'd planned on. So you should start now. Yeah. If your kids are really young, start thinking about it even now and talking about um, uh, that commercial that happens to pop up or that picture in the magazine. You may have to be talking to your kids a little bit about that now. Uh, I know around fourth, fifth grade, they start talking about it at school, but I'm sure kids talk about it even sooner than that. So make sure you don't have your blinders on and push it off, that you're aware, you're asking your kids. And if your child is in public school, be talking to the teachers about what the curriculum is, when they're going to talk about these issues. And usually the teachers will uh, tell you these things too, but be a little bit proactive about it. Okay, next question. For an adult child whose parents continue to push their faith in politics relentlessly, it's making the child not believe in the Bible because the parents don't model their Christian faith either. What advice do you have for parents to change their behavior? And for the child, I have, I have advice for both the child and the parents. For the child, uh, remember one day you're going to be a parent. And all the pressure is going to be on you. So it's not easy being a parent. It's not easy having children that you're concerned about and you love. You want the best for them. So cut them some slack and be a little patient with your parents because it's not an easy job. And you will find out probably one day how difficult it is and how they need your prayers and your patience more than your criticism. To the parents... Christianity, as well as everything else you want them to adopt in their hearts, is more caught than taught. How you model what you say you believe is so critical. If you say God loves us, he's patient with us, he's forgiving, he loves us even at our worst, and you don't treat your child like that, they're not, don't be surprised if they don't take it in. So I tell parents all the time, your kids need to see your love for them the most is when they're messing up. Not that you're excusing what they're going to do, not that there's not ramifications, but they need to see you love it on them. There's different, I want to say this, I want to get this in, there are different stages of parenting. The earliest stage, very young, authoritative stage. You do because I tell you to do, I'm not going to explain to you because you couldn't even understand it anyway, and you need this protection. You can't run across the street. You need, to say, you need to stop when I say stop because 
if you don't, if you don't learn that and you run everything and you do whatever you want, I let you do whatever you want, you may run across the street and get hit. So you, it's authoritative stage. You do because I tell you. That's it. But that's a very young stage, and it should be very limited. The main stage for me is the teaching stage. This is when they can start understand and process. And from that time, really through junior high, you're teaching children. You're trying to, again, values that you're living out. You're telling them the why. This is why we don't call each other names in this house, because we need to honor one another. So you're, you're, you're kind of teaching them at the dinner table, when you walk along the road, when you get up, just like it says, kind of a lifestyle, you're trying to explain the why behind the rule. The next page is the coaching phase. This is when you're, you're basically, they come in for timeouts off the field, but you're not spending too much time with them. They're out with their buds. They're not with you most of the time. And this is where Bob Lent says, you, hopefully you've built a foundation, you've taught them how to think through stuff. And they have adopted, because you've modeled it and you're their hero, they've adopted those values in their hearts in some ways. And then the last phase is the friendship phase. This is when they're adults. You're still mom and dad. You'll always be mom and dad. But it's more of an adult-to-adult relationship, and you're like a good friend to them. So uh, those are the four stages, and depending what stage you're in, that's how you, you parent. Um, I, I had... I had a parent who, and as a child, you know your parents well. You know when they're being hypocritical. But um, my, I had a parent, Christian, who was hypocritical, and I saw it, and it was very frustrating and annoying. Uh, but for me, it, I was not modeling my faith and my faith in Christ necessarily on them. I was looking at the Bible and Jesus for my compass, and, and also being aware, too, that I can be just as hypocritical. So I, I didn't want to hold my parents in an, unforgiving or my, in an unforgiving attitude because I can make those same mistakes myself. We need to look at Christ and his word and not so much our parents, especially as an adult. When, you, when you're little, you tend to look more at your parents, and that's why our role as parents is so important to be authentic and our faith. You know, it's, we can't teach our kids what we ourselves don't know. Excellent point. That's why we need to be growing in the book, having right. our own time with God. If you're not growing, you can only, leadership, this is a leadership principle. You can only take people as far as you've gone. So you need to keep growing so that you can bring your kids along. Okay, what are the best ways to pray for young children? Um, you know, I would, Pray as you walk and talk. You know, I remember being in the car with my kids, and I'd say, oh, I'm, look at how beautiful the flowers are. Thank you, God, for such beautiful flowers. Or I'd take prayer requests on the way to school. How can I pray for you? Lord, help them in their tests this morning. So I would pray as we go, as we walk along, um, just what's on my heart, just conversationally. Uh, I also pray at night, and I, you know, you ask your kids, what can you pray for, or what can we thank God for? Um, and you pray at night before they go to bed, and you have them pray. So just conversationally, more or less, with the young, younger ones especially. I, I think you have to pray in the way kids pray. You need to keep it short. 
you need to watch the words you use. Don't think you have to do the most flowery words to, to be the greatest prayer. You also need to um, uh, make sure that you, it's, it's a, also a teaching moment for you to broaden their view of, of just not the physical that I need, but maybe we pray uh, for your friend who's annoying right now. Maybe there's something going on in their life and we need to pray that, that God helps them with that. They're hurting over something. So it's the bigger view, uh, but short, to the point. Uh, I always remember, um, you know, you get flashbacks when you get these questions. I remember when uh, we, had, we, we had the kids in New Jersey, and I had both of them went out for ice cream, I think, and I put my wallet on the top of the car, and I, and I put the kids in the seats, and I forgot about the wallet, and I drove off, and I get a call from... <laughs> I got a call from a Catholic family who said, hey, did you lose something? I said, yeah, I did. And they said, yeah, your wallet. We found your wallet. It's right outside. Uh, we saw the credit cards flapping on the street, so we picked it up. And you know where it was? I go, where? It was by St. Saint Jude. Jude. Jude's Church. You know what that is? The patron saint of lost things. And I went, great. I have just affirmed their whole theology on uh, sainthood. But anyway, uh, they said, I, I said, that's great. And they said, yeah, come pick it up. And, uh, but just before that, just before that phone rang, I'm sitting in the living room and I'm going like, how stupid could I have been? Ah, you lose your wallet, you lose your life. I mean, uh, how stupid could I have been? And I'm beating myself up and Brian's there. And he says, hey, dad, you shouldn't be saying that. Why don't we pray about it? <laughs> like, oh, shut up. Stop rebuking me. I said, you know, Brian, you are absolutely right. That's what we should be doing. Why don't you pray? So he prays. He prays this prayer. And I'm not kidding. Phone rang. I think there was a lesson there somewhere. I don't know where it was, but it was there somewhere. So anyway, we're past the time. Yeah. Do you want to pray for us? Okay. Yeah. Uh, Lord, again, thank you so much for, um, even though life is hard and it's difficult to parent, that you do give us resources, that we're here at a great church with some great resources in Discovery Land and Greenhouse um, and men and women's ministries, small groups. And I pray that you would help all of us to take advantage of that and be encouraged. And Lord, we know that you are in the business of raising godly generations. Mm -hmm. And we are not perfect parents, but you, Lord, you are our heavenly perfect parent. And I pray for your mercy and grace in our lives. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week.